Hello and welcome to Retention Chronicles, a podcast sponsored by Malomo, a shipment tracking platform that helps e-commerce brands turn order tracking into a profitable marketing channel. On this podcast, we welcome leading DTC brands and experts to chat about all things customer retention and e-commerce. We absolutely love highlighting all of the amazing things that our customers are doing in the post-purchase space. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out our website, gomalomo.com. Maybe you'll even be featured on this podcast someday in the near future, who's to say? To help us continue to bring new guests and information to you, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you like to listen. On this episode of Retention Chronicles, we are joined by Marco DePaulis, Director of Partnerships at Whiplash. Whiplash is a nationwide omni-channel fulfillment provider, and if you don't know exactly what a 3PL does, it's okay, neither did I, but Marco explains what a 3PL is, what to look for and prioritize in the shipment and fulfilling space, as well as the logistics behind it all, how to be efficient while setting up your inventory, how to live up to the buy once the customer has actually purchased, and how to improve customer satisfaction. Let's get into it. So hello, everyone, and welcome to Retention Chronicles. We are joined by two lovely parties today. One is our very own. You have heard him before, Noah. He's our director of partnerships here at Malomo. And then we are also joined by Marco, who is also the director of partnerships at Whiplash. So thank you both. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Marco, I was hoping that you could dive into your intro, your background to kick us off. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited. Um, you hit it, director of partnerships, and that's it. That's all I do. That's <laughs> my whole. Um, no, so have been doing partnerships for quite a bit now, um, but really have been in e-commerce even a little bit longer. Uh, background is I got sucked into the agency world years and years and years ago. Um, you know, client services, sales, marketing, all that good stuff, and uh, kind of discovered. Well, fell into e-commerce there, never wanted to leave because it was just the most interesting, fun work, no matter, you know, kind of what piece you were doing um, and found partnerships more through like sales really than anything and uh, fell in love with that aspect of, of business, you know, long-term relationships and very strategic, uh, you know, sort of long tail end goals and figuring out how to sort of mutually help you know one another accomplish certain things or hit certain numbers and so anyway really focused on that uh, and built a career out of that on the on the SaaS side and so came to Whiplash uh, about a year ago to build out what partnerships would be for someone like a 3PL uh, which is definitely unique and not super common and uh, and yeah so that brings us to today I'm happy to happy to dig in and dive into the nitty-gritty. Yes, very excited to do so. Um, no, I know you were on our previous episode, but similar, building our partnerships program here at Maloma. Yeah, it that's is, right. It's it's a beast, isn't it? It is, but but Marco, I gotta say, man, I uh, am super super uh, impressed with what you've been able to do just in a short amount of time in a year. I think a lot of a lot of folks sort of in our uh, in our function in partnerships, given that it's newer. I think expect that it takes a, uh, at least a year, right? To like start gaining some traction. And I know you're mm-hmm. already starting to really build out the team. So uh, love to see that and happy that we're we're hopefully gonna be a, a bigger part of the partnership ecosystem at Whiplash as, as the months unfold. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know we'll, we'll talk more about it. There's just so much synergy, you know, between our organizations, but yeah, I mean, partnerships can take a long time to really start to see traction and progress and, you know, to show the results to warrant uh, investing, you know, some more dollars into it. And so, you know, it's kind of a combination of uh, you need you need the sort of vision to be seen at, at the leadership level. Uh, it helps, you know, if, if you've been around the block a little bit to, to, you know, get the results a little bit quicker than normal. And um Honestly, you just need, you know, good partners like you guys to to get some quick wins and, you know, trick everybody into uh, to building it out further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that's what this episode is all going to be about, right? Just partnerships and how to build all that out. Um, we could go no, on for but, hours. Yeah, right, right. That'll be that'll be the next one. Um, but yeah, so okay, three PLs. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. Um, but can you give us, like, in your best terms of like explaining whiplash to someone who perhaps isn't familiar with like this side of e-commerce, like e-commerce fulfillment or retail fulfillment, fulfillment, all of that. How would you kind of like summarize um, what whiplash does? Yeah. I mean, that was me 10 months ago before I even came here <laughs> and I've been in e-commerce for like close to 10 years now. Um, and I always just like, you know, assume it just, it just takes care of itself after the order goes through. Cause that's what everyone likes to talk about. Right. Is like, top of funnel, conversions, you know, driving sales and and uh, AOV and all of that, and then subscriptions, whatever. But nobody ever really is like, well, what actually like happens there at that part? Um, and that was actually one of the reasons I took the job. I was like, I should probably figure that out now. I've, I've been doing this for too long to not know. Um, but I, I think the most simple way to put it is uh, a 3PL is someone who picks and packs your, you know, your inventory, it puts it in a box and, and ships it out. Uh, if you water it down, like as much as you possibly can. Um, that's where I always start in terms of describing it. And then, you know, you can layer on a bunch of, a bunch of stuff as to, you know, where does, where do the orders come from and how do you store the inventory, you know, packing orders according to, you know, bundling and like extra little things to do like writing notes or custom packaging and then you get it to a carrier there's there's a lot i'm sure we're going to dive into all those pieces but water it down you know store the inventory pick a packet give it to ups and then wipe your hands and that's what a 3pl does for me marco like i come from the enterprise martech space um and and partnerships for the last five or six years myself um but obviously a little bit different, more upmarket. So one of the biggest gaps for me, I'm about two months in now to the to the new role at Malomo, is the logistics side. Um, so that's that's a really helpful high level overview and, and we'll absolutely dive in deeper. But I'm curious uh, to get your thoughts on like how you ended up choosing to go uh, to the 3PL side after spending, you know, the last nine or 10 years on what sounds like was probably more marketing focused uh mm -hmm. gigs yeah yeah everything was uh, was like the front end of ecom you know and the agencies was building sites and building out the marketing channels um and then was at privy for a few years which is straight martech uh as you're familiar with noah um i think really i was i don't want to say i was like burnt out of you know on the marketing side but i was like i, I feel like i've seen it all i've heard it all um you know, it's, it's just so everyone, everyone talks about it all the time, nonstop. Um, and I think in terms of like platforms and systems and whatnot, like very competitive, right? Like every other day, there's something new popping up in that, in that space. And, um, as you know, we were getting into the world of COVID and all the issues, right at the supply chain issues with deliveries. Uh, I, I think for the first time, and rightfully so, post-purchase started to get more attention because, you know, all of a sudden we were, everyone was like, order for Christmas in like September because, you know, everything's going to take forever and there's all these issues. And um, then, you know, everyone started to get more attention in terms of like, you know, USPS taking uh, three extra days to deliver your orders, all these things, right? And so, um, you know, now that there's more of an understanding of, you know, the, the value of post-purchase, the value of 3PL, the value of carriers, um, it's actually a really fun time to be in the space. But yeah, I just wanted to learn something new. I, I, I didn't want to be ignorant to that aspect of e-commerce like I was for so long. Um, and I think that competitively, there's way less, you know, like, there's a very high barrier to entry for post-purchase and, and 3PL specifically. And so um, I think that was also appealing, like, all right, cool. I don't need to be aware of like 38 competitors, you know, who do exactly what we do sort of thing. Um, 
so yeah, I think all those reasons, I was like, you know what, I think this is pretty cool. I should learn it. And worst case, you know, there's plenty of MarTech jobs to get back into if I really <laughs> need to switch back, you know? Yeah, no, that that's phenomenal. And that's why I was excited to have you on because if I'm being honest, I had no idea. Hopefully after this podcast, I'll know what PLs. We'll yeah. Maybe a little tiny bit. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you a, a, a five star review, hopefully. Um, but yeah, like I had to look up even what a three PL does because I, you know, the the technical side yes. of all of the logistics. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Um, so just I should like, have just started you know, this by saying three PL means third party logistics. Just like get that out of the way because I didn't even yeah again a year ago I didn't know what it meant either. I was mm -hmm. like, yep, yeah, sure, three PL, yep, yeah, got it. Uh -huh. Yeah, like check mark, sure. Yeah, so to my understanding, like anywhere from like fulfillment to shipping. Um, I even was going to ask you too, like, it sounds like you work with carriers as well, right? So, um, working with carriers, like understanding kind of everything that a 3PL does for a brand, at least in my point of view, it's like you take, um, every step, every like fulfillment, order, logistics, shipping, all of that, and like optimize for better performance for like scaling brands, um, or really any brands of any sizes. And mm -hmm. so can you kind of like walk us through the, like each step of that, like diving into the logistics, it doesn't have to be like super, super detailed of yeah. course, but if you're like sharing with a brand, um, kind of like what a 3PL does and what they should know about Whiplash and everything that you all are doing, where would you start? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, all right, we can definitely get into a lot here. Um, I'm going to like try and sort of find some middle ground. So it starts at the inventory, you know, level, right? But inventory isn't just inventory. You need to design your setup for inventory according to your catalog, right? Like if you think about the catalog of uh, one e-commerce brand versus another, you know, if you have 10 SKUs and you have like a million units of each SKU, what that warehouse is going to look very different from someone who has, you know, 500,000 SKUs, but maybe only like five of each product. Right. And so, you know, kind of starting there in terms of inventory, uh, it starts with like designing your layout in a warehouse and how you are going to pick and pack those orders. Right. Uh, on a merchant by merchant basis, because at the end of the day, you just want to maximize efficiency, no matter what you do. Right. You just want to be more productive. And so, in the 3PL world, uh, it's very small margins. And so anytime you can just like get more packages out per hour, you're just going to make more money. So it starts with the inventory and all of that and designing that. Uh, and then you come up with, uh, you know, an SLA, a service level agreement with every customer as to, okay, you know, anytime an order comes through uh, and whatever e-commerce platform, it goes into the Whiplash platform, we're going to pick and pack that with an X amount of minutes and then we get it ready to hand over to the carrier. And then we put it all in this one area and the carriers come and they pick it up at certain times every day, every few days, whatever it is, pretty much every day, I think. Um, and then after that, it's, it's out of our hands, but that is where there's a disconnect. And I think where Malomo plays such a valuable role uh, because as a consumer, right? Like you get that okay, your label's created, that label's created when it's still in the warehouse. It's actually not carrier yet, right? And so that happens, we gotta get that label on that box and then boom, we stick it in that area and then UPS, USPS, FedEx, whoever comes and gets it. And then once it hits their truck, you know, they, they take care of the rest. Um, so think about, yeah, the 3PL is like those, those three steps, uh, but within each of those three steps is a very, very complex and nuanced and custom, you know, operation behind every one of those steps, behind every one of those packages. Um, and then, you know, there's even the whole world of returns and what we call like reverse logistics and, and all of that, which is, yeah, a, a whole nother podcast episode in itself, I'm sure. <laughs> That's, that is uh, a great, great overview, Marco, for, for me, especially, like I said, being newer to the space, uh, just trying to wrap my head around all of the things that, you know, you guys are, are managing on behalf of your clients. I'm curious. Um, so the, the size of the business and like how many SKUs they have makes total sense to me. I'm curious if, um, are there businesses that, you know, you feel are 
a 3PL is an absolute must for and other uh, sort of verticals where it might not make as much sense? Or is your general philosophy that any e-commerce merchant should be thinking about how they might integrate uh, 3PL into their business? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think, I think the, you know, sort of um, unit of measurement is more around volume than anything else, rather than like industry or anything like that. Because, you know, taking a step back, like what does a 3PL help with? They help with storing your stuff and getting it out from that storage into boxes very, very quickly and efficiently. And then to a carrier where they have a relationship with that carrier and that brand can leverage that relationship for savings on labels and things like that, right? So that's really like anything uh, in terms of an investment, it, the analysis typically is, you know, well, like what are the savings at this, you know, quantity? And so usually what you want to think about is um, how many orders am I fulfilling a month? And therefore, can I do this out of my garage? Or do I have to like leverage somebody who can actually help me with that? Um, and then there's, you know, much more serious enterprise conversations, uh, not necessarily comparing garage to 3PL, but like 3PL to 3PL, right? Um, and things of that nature. But yeah, that's usually like what the critical event is like, okay, I can't do this as one person and like my cousin in my basement or my garage or whatever. Uh, we're having too much success to get things out on time. And that's where this plays into customer, you know, life cycle or really the, how it impacts the end consumer, how that impacts, you know, retention, how that impacts all of that stuff. Because there, what happens is you reach breaking points, no matter where you're at, like in the stage of your business, whether you're in that startup phase, you're reaching a breaking point where, you know, you can't fit enough packages in your car to bring to UPS. You can't, you know, get enough orders out of your garage in time. And it's the same thing at a 3PL level. If you're working with a smaller 3PL or 4PL, there's going to be like, you know, limits to what you can, what you can fulfill on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, uh, or even your catalog, right? Like I can only fit 20 products in my garage. I can't fit a thousand. And right, if you think about how many of each of those products, so it's usually just comes down to a numbers game around, you know, catalog volume, things of that nature. And at what stages of your business, you reach breaking points where that, that fulfillment process can no longer support you. You need to look for the next step up in, in your sort of like maturity level. Sure. That's super interesting. So do you see do you see like a graduator path in the in the 3PL space specifically where it's it it's often where brands will migrate or sort of like graduate from a lower level or totally uh, lower level provider and then kind of move up to the enterprise as their business grows? That's that's For a sure. common practice. Yeah, I mean what we're seeing more and more, right? Like at the startup level, even at like a few dozen orders a month, uh, again, like it can be either, eh. usually at that level, you like you can use a 4PL and now there's a lot more 4PL models out there uh, and you can go Google e-commerce 4PL or e-commerce startup 3PL and, and you'll see plenty of folks there bidding for the keywords and they're great solutions when you don't have a crazy amount of demand, right? Like if I have a hundred orders a month, I'm not too worried about uh, them, you know, not being able to service me because that's a pretty low bar. And so you can leverage those and, and you know, scale to a decent volume with those to maybe a few thousand a month, roughly. Um, but again, that's where you reach, you, you start to think about breaking points or like maturity of a business. Okay, well, maybe I'm not just selling five products. Maybe I want to get to a hundred or maybe I'm not selling a hundred orders a month. I'm getting to a thousand or 10,000. Um, naturally, there's just going to be things that are going to break and you don't want to risk that, that touch point with your, your customer, right? Because as we talk about a lot in our day to day, uh, the focus isn't on getting the sale. The focus is like, no, the sale has been made. This is the most important part now. Like you got to live up to what you sold them on. You have to get them in order in a timely manner. It has to be accurate it, that you should be communicating with them at this point because they just handed you the credit card. Now this is like, this is where it's all at. Like if you do not 
live up to that at this stage, you're not going to get that repeat sale. You're probably going to get a return. You're probably going to get a bad review. And that's like where the most risk is. Uh, and so this is where I think brands are starting to realize they've done so much, you know, on the front end to really maximize, you know, that brand, that website, those marketing channels, the conversion optimization. And now it's like, you got to live up to all that on the post-purchase side. And so there's a lot that, you know, we're all seeing now in terms of developments to optimize that experience. And I think the brands are paying a lot more attention to it now, which is, which is good because this is what separates, I think the, the big boys from, you know, the, the little new players or, or even just separates like the true brand focused brands or like customer focused or customer centric brands from just like ones that are just trying to make money. So in other words, retention is very important. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little that's bit. What, that's what we're here to talk about today. That, I mean, that might, that might be the tagline for the episode right there. <laughs> we may be, uh, you know, in, in a good, a good spot here, uh, in terms of synergy and whatnot, but, but no, I mean, it's like, I, I think this has been something, um, that's been on my mind for a long time, even just as a, as a consumer. Uh, and I see it more and more, you know, with every order I make or, um, or every, you know, bad experience I have, I'm like, this is where it really, really matters. And this is, you know, what is more important to consumers, uh, more than ever. And I think we're all becoming more savvy and, and, you know, we get it now we've been doing it for long enough where like we have certain expectations and if you're not meeting it, then like, you're not retaining me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like too, um, at least, I don't know if it's because being in the e-commerce space, specifically in post-purchase, but now if I order from a brand that doesn't have like a really detailed tracking experience and is overly communicating of like where my package is, I'm like, something's going wrong. And 100%. I feel like now because I've been exposed to at least a couple of brands that have like that elevated experience now brands that don't, you're looking at them and you're like, why aren't you giving me totally. the same experience? And so I feel like now it's, we're in the, we're in the time frame where other brands are starting to, you know, get the ball rolling on the importance of the post-purchase space. But those brands who kind of like don't, or kind of fumble the ball or, um, don't specifically allocate time and energy or effort or resources to post-purchase, they're mm -hmm. going to be the brands who are left behind because it's starting to be the new normal of like getting those um like communications or being told like you're very much in the visibility or the transparency aspect of like the whole customer experience because the customer is obviously part of the journey when they're like buying right like they're actively in it but once you buy something you're you're taken out of the equation unless you're getting those communications about where your package yeah. is without a doubt yeah i think that that maybe even is like one reason why for a long time it was kind of viewed as the black box right mm -hmm. it both you know whether you worked in e-commerce or not um just for a long time there was no visibility and you just had to wait and that was like normal uh but as soon as some brands started to pay attention and you know we got a little taste of it as consumers now it's like yeah i, I do expect that for sure uh, but it's something I like I've been saying it even since I, I was at Whiplash, like on the MarTech side, like when someone puts in their credit card information, that is like that's where you really have to, you know, live up to that expectation. All it, it's it's all the marbles now. Um, and that's where you really have to focus on communication. And this is back in the day before I think, you know, post purchase tracking uh, solutions were really you know, available or widespread. And so at the time it was focused on automation based on, you know, order status, which wasn't much like for Shopify, it was like order placed yeah. and order shipped and may, may, I don't even think delivered was a thing. You just had to like estimate based on your, again, like the SLAs and everything estimate like, okay, it's been five days since it was shipped. So like we can kick off a flow now that says like, you know, congrats, like you got your order. <laughs> right. And then yeah. half the time, like they didn't. And then that, you know, consumer be like, well, this is a bit of a, you know, buzzkill. Um, <laughs> or, you know, half the time they got it right. But 
now that we have so much more data, we have so much more insight and visibility, we have amazing solutions like Malomo to actually kick off the right automations at different stages of that post-purchase experience. Um, you know, we, we can benefit as consumers tremendously and, and that's great because we're giving, yeah, we put all our trust in that brand. We gave them our credit card information, which is like a very, you know, personal thing. We should have a good experience there. And it's about, it's about friggin' time. I, you know, I say, um, <laughs> that we do. So yeah, I, I am loving the world that we're in as a consumer. And also, you know, obviously on the professional side, there's just a lot more value to deliver for both the, the merchant and, and the consumer. It feels like feels like we've certainly come a really long way in terms of like, you know, e-commerce customer experience over the last couple of years, but we probably still have a long way to go. And, you know, obviously e-commerce is a relatively new concept still even to, to this day, right? So, um, whereas a lot of other industries have uh, matured a lot more and, and technology providers have come in and provided sort of uh, an end-to-end -end experience that really allows customers in those different um, sort of categories to to now come to expect, right? Like a, a best-in-class experience. But I think there's probably still a long way to go in e-commerce. So Marco, I'm curious, like specifically as it relates to logistics, what are one or two things that maybe a lot of brands don't think about, but should think about when it comes to providing an end-to-end -end sort of seamless experience for their customers uh, on the logistics side. Yeah, that's a good question. I totally agree, by the way, like there's still so much room for, you know, growth and acceleration in e-commerce and um, we're fortunate to, you know, be, be in that space at, at that time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like what brands should be thinking about and prioritizing. Uh, um, well, I mean, first, I think it starts with, you know, speed and efficiency, uh, you know, after an order's place, right? Like, again, I think I'll probably say it a million times is like, that's such an important touch point. The faster you move, the faster you get something picked and packed. Uh, and you know, again, one of like the small fine details of 3PL is that carriers pick up orders at certain times from the warehouse. And so the sooner you can get it to the carrier, the more likely it is to get at that day versus next day. So you need the right tech that's integrated, that is like, you know, pinging uh, these systems immediately as orders are coming through. So that can be picked and packed accordingly. I think that there's a lot more of a focus now and, and more expectation around, um, you know, a branded experience. Right? Like not just having a generic cardboard box with generic, you know, paper in a generic plastic wrapped product, uh, but having more brand oriented, you know, packaging, whatever that is, whether it's at the box or the wrapping paper or, or whatever, even having more sustainable packaging, like anything that aligns with the ethos of that brand and all of that. Um, and then I think it gets down to lastly, the, the communication with the customer, uh, and making sure that you have the right technologies enabled, that you have the right, like marketing playbook set up to take advantage of those technologies and to really focus on the communication there. I think there's, you know, there's a, there was a Martech stat that we talk about a lot is, is like the open rate for, um, you know, an order confirmation is, I don't know, in the you maybe a fact check needed around here 90 something percent right like it's crazy crazy, crazy. high yeah. versus anything else in in the email marketing you know flow um you know communication you know sort of uh process right and so how do you capitalize on those touch points how do you capitalize on those open rates there's also kind of like a silly you know like your your package is 100 percent open rate right like so how do you mm -hmm. optimize for those things you know um and so I think that, again, this is all getting more attention now. And these are the things that brands should pay attention to as they get to that more mature stage of their business. You have your top of funnel, you know, pretty much nailed down. You have a lot of your marketing channels nailed down. You have your brand nailed down. You have your catalog nailed down. This is the thing that you should be paying attention to next if you haven't already given it, you know, quite a bit of thought. That's awesome. Yeah, I I think uh, especially like the brand ethos thing that you mentioned stuck out to me because uh, 
while I, I just talked about, you know, e-commerce still uh, having a, a long way to go as an industry, it is extremely competitive and tying back, mm-hmm. getting back to retention, right? Like the way brands stick out is by um, sort of reflecting their ethos on a, uh, from an end to end level, right? Yeah. From like the time you first visit a site to the time like your package arrives. Um, so that's a really, really interesting uh, sort of concept. And then obviously at Maloma, we're highly focused on uh, communication throughout the, throughout the shipping experience. So couldn't agree with you more there. Um, I'm curious, sort of getting back to your role in, in partnerships, who are some of the technology vendors that you see really complementing what you're doing at Whiplash and who are you spending a lot of time with um, in, in your sort of day-to-day because uh, I'm sure it's, you know, bringing uh, some level of, of joint value, right, to to your uh, joint customers. So totally. uh, could you talk a little bit about the stack that you, you focus on? Yeah, for sure. Um, so... Yeah, I'm fortunate that uh, I'm at a at a spot where we're very you know tech forward in in the 3PL space. That is not common uh, by any means, especially like mid market enterprise 3PL. Uh, it is a w- very old school old school space. Uh, there's a lot of spreadsheets and things like that. Not a lot of great tech. Um, and so what, what Whiplash did years ago, and I think one of the most exciting, you know, reasons for why I even came over here was they, uh, they acquired Whiplash, the, the WMS technology warehouse management system technology. And so we have an open API. So, you know, la- just last week, someone integrated into us. I had no idea it was happening and they email me and they're like, Hey, you know, we should partner. I'm like, yeah, totally. Thank you. This is great. Um, so in terms of the tech stack, uh, you know, so we're able to leverage an open API and integrate into, you know, lots of great platforms and have platforms integrate into us. I spend a lot of time, as you can imagine, with more operations focused solutions. So if you think of an ERP, someone like a Bright Pearl or of, you know, someone of that nature, maybe a Skibana, uh, the things that are running the operations for our customers where they can. You know, there's some, there's some usually crossover, like with what you can do in Whiplash and what you can do in an ERP, manage inventory, manage orders, but there's a lot more in an ERP you can do in terms of like automating, you know, purchase orders to your manufacturer based on your inventory count. Like we need to pass that inventory to something uh, where they're doing all of that and they're doing their invoicing and whatnot um, and what have you. So there's a lot around the operations side. And then the returns is a very common place for us to spend time with partners as well, like a, a loop, a happy returns, a returnly. They're all fin- fantastic players. They all each have their unique value propositions. Um, and the reason why that's really important, uh, and I can even get into like, we can take that into retention for sure, uh, is if a return is being processed, we need to know as someone who manages inventory, right? So, okay. This order that we sent out last week, two of the five products are going to be returned. We need to know what those products are. We need to know when they're coming back, when we should expect them at the warehouse. And then we need to do a bunch of work to inspect it, make sure it's you know okay to restock. If not, what is the next step? Do we have to donate it or get rid of it? So on and so forth. Uh, so that's that's a big space in terms of um, you know partners that we we spend time with. Um, and, uh, you know, there's quite a few of other sort of more strategic partners that we like to spend time with someone like a Clearco, for example, makes a lot of sense for us. 3PL can, can have a significant, you know, sort of, um, capital expenditure, you know, to get started. It's not cheap to get a building set up and outfit and onboarded and all of that. Um, so folks like that. So think, yeah, operations and whatnot, uh, but obviously a Maloma where there is a natural conversation around, okay, Hey, we're doing all of your fulfillments. You should have something that talks to your consumers about what's happening. Once we get a package out there, right? Uh, we want to optimize their experience as best as possible. It's in our best interest for them to have the best tax deck, whether it talks to whiplash or not, because that's going to improve the customer experience, which improves retention, which improves more orders all of that good stuff. And so I'm, I'm very agnostic in terms of the partners that we work with. If we can correlate, uh, you know, business growth and, and, or 
like improving operations, then we should have a conversation, you know, as a potential partner, because that helps our customers. And if our customers are in good shape and they're healthy and they're growing, then like we're happy because we make revenue on orders that are being fulfilled. Yeah, the very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that's phenomenal. It, I love that you said the um, the part about like how everything. I feel like in e-commerce, we hear like, oh, everything ties in together. Everything's related. But you saying like even from Malomo, right, like the communications then tying back into like your customers are more informed. They're way more willing to come back to your brand to make another repeat purchase. And then that kind of just like fills the next bucket of, you know, that's increased orders that then, um, you know, you're dealing with in your 3PL and processing those. And then it just kind of like, it's like a flywheel and each, each mm -hmm. turn, each part, um, of the journey, it, it keeps cycling and keeps, keeps it all going. And so my question for you of like, in terms of, um, customer satisfaction, yes, more communication is better, but are there like other, perhaps, um, like other avenues or other things you've seen that wouldn't like be the first to come to mind in terms of how a 3PL can improve customer satisfaction, like outside of communications that you can think of? Um, I think a little bit of what I touched on earlier around, you know, just like speed and that, that syncing of data probably is another one that I, I briefly touched on, right? Like how integrated is it with your business? Not just, are they doing a good job fulfilling, but is that information flowing to the other things that power your business, right? Um, that's imperative because then if you don't have that, you know, that visibility, that connectivity, you're, you know, basically in the dark ages. And when you get to a certain size of, of a brand, like that is the difference between growing and not growing, right? Like having that data, having that access. Um, I think kind of, you know, very similar to that, but a slightly different point is just generally like a 3PL should have, just have good technology. It should have a good, you know, system for you to go and see what the heck's going on. So before it even gets to something else, it should work well for you as, as a merchant. And I think what, you know, this world of um, D to C has, has sort of, I don't know, spoiled merchants with, which is great, is great, great technology, great, great interfaces, um, integrations and, and, you know, syncing between all these different platforms. It's only making them smarter. It's making them more proactive. And so I think those are probably the big categories for where a 3PL is adding more value outside of just fulfilling things properly and efficiently. Uh, you need to be at that next level to really keep up with the growth that these brands expect, right? Um, you know, we've seen customers like literally 5X their order volume in, you know, 12 months, 16 months. Like that's insane because we're not talking about 5Xing from one or 10. Like we're talking about 5Xing from like, you know, 50,000 orders a month or something like that, right? And so um, that type of growth is not possible if you don't have visibility control, you don't have, you know, data syncing into the right things, um, open APIs, all, you know, connectivity and, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, no, that, that that's kind of where I was thinking of like the analytics behind it, like the data syncing. And I was trying not to ask too much of a leading question. Cause I do think like having, I feel like shipment and fulfillment is one of those areas that if you like, it is so, uh, it is founded in logistics, of course, like you mm -hmm. have to make sure everything's up and running, but then there's so many little things that mean not being an expert in the space. I'm curious, like, that's why I asked the question of, all those little things that tie back into each other. Cause like you said, like the synchronization of all the different spots of all the integrations, all the data, like flowing back and forth. I imagine like a brand that just enables a brand to have way more knowledge into what's like working, right? Like in their mm -hmm. fulfillment of um, like all the way down in the beginning, how you said the, like the design of the warehouse, right? Like what makes the most sense for packing, packaging and order. And so like syncing all that, um, all the way down to the 
the like packaging and the design is a really, really interesting and cool take to hear. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of data uh, that we capture. And for, you know, if customers, um, you know, want to access more of that than what we would like typically serve up in our, in our platform, then we can, you know, we work with them basically to build out uh, more custom reporting and analytics. And there's a lot of insights, you know, you can uncover there in terms of, you know, um, around demand, geography, you know, cost of uh, parcel and like how that impacts your margins and even things like, you know, what, you know, sort of orders have gone out when you did what sorts of promotions or what SKUs are pairing well together at like these times or based on, you know, all these factors, like you can cut and slice this stuff almost any way you really want. And the more mature you, you become as a business, the more important those, you know, very hard to find details are, right? And that can literally make the difference, you know, between a couple of dollars in margin or, you know, your ability to sell through more product or, or not, and to be more efficient with the way you order more inventory or you don't, you know, and so there's, yeah, there's a, there's a ton there. And so that's another piece, I think, just kind of in the theme of like where 3PLs add value and when, you know, you sort of like need to be thinking about a 3PL or your next 3PL or whatever, um, that type of relationship, that type of visibility, that type of control, um, and connectivity is, is yeah, huge. And it plays into, yeah, so, so, so many aspects of your business. Like there's, I used to have a lot of conversations, um, you know, again, uh, around marketing conversions, you know, AOV. And I would even have conversations with folks like why, you know, let's just bundle these products and sell through more of those. And there would always be like pushback, like, ah, well, I don't know if we can like fulfill it like that. And I never understood. And so there's a lot now I've, I'm seeing as to why there was, you know, challenges with that. It's not, it's not always that clear. Right. And you never want to sell more product than you have. Like you need that visibility, that connectivity, or you never want to, you know, pre-sell too many things that are, you know, coming into the warehouse at certain times. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's, um, more than you can even think of, more than I can even think of in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, ways to, to leverage that data and, and value propositions for it. And now, of course, there's also tons of great BI tools that are just for e-com, right? Talking about innovation, building the last year, like five new business intelligence and data analytics platforms have come out that I've, you know, learned about and have met and I'm now, you know, talking to again as like another strategic partnership. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And two, you kind of touched upon it earlier in the episode, but one of the things that goes into the customer retention as well is like custom packaging and writing notes and like being a, having a very personalized experience. And so I was curious, I wanted to ask you kind of along that same line of like those nuances, those things that all link, link together data being one of them. Um, but like, how does that personalization, um, how have you seen that tie back into the customer retention, like personalization of the, um, fulfillment shipping process? Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, so we, we do a lot of it. Uh, I think again, it, it, it becomes more important at that sort of certain level of maturity in a business. Right. Um, and as a consumer, I'm starting to see a lot more of it. And now I'm starting to expect more of it. Um, but we do a lot. So we have some customers where we have to go as far as like literally writing handwritten notes, spraying perfume in a box, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, there, we, we partner with folks that can, you know, create custom packaging. So like the boxes are branded, all the, all the, you know, inserts are branded, all that good stuff. And it just, yeah, it all plays into that customer experience. And that that's what drives somebody back, like that experience, that unboxing experience. That's why like these YouTube videos get millions of views for just unboxing. Like there's a science and an art behind it. And it truly does play such an impactful, you know, role in that, in that customer life cycle. And that's what you're going to Instagram, right? And that's mm -hmm. going to, you know, get tons of likes and follows and whatever. And then they can put that on their site as user generated content. Like there's so much, right? Untapped value and potential in these things it's not just the surface level like yeah it would be nice like no that plays into not just repeat purchases it plays into our content into our marketing 
into whatever, right? And then you, as an Instagram like account, you can reply back, you build that relationship. It's, it's, there's so much. So yeah, we're seeing a lot more, uh, I think, but not just you should have some custom stuff in your boxes. Again, back to ethos, like it should resonate. Like I got, I got a package from Viore not long ago. And even though I wasn't like insanely crazy about the product, which everyone I tell is like very surprised about that. Um, <laughs> what was really great was that, and they had a little note about it, uh, was that there was no like plastic wrap on it. And it came in like a very simple bag, but it was, the shirt was rolled up and tied with like a piece of string. And the note basically said like, this is sustainable packaging. Like we're reducing plastic waste. And that resonated with me. And like, I'm still willing to give them a shot and I'm probably going to buy a pair of something at some point soon, just to like, <laughs> because uh, I feel like everyone tells me I'll probably like it, but also because that's important to me that stood out. And now when I get other packages, I'm like, well, look at all this wasted plastic. This is terrible. Uh, so it really does like it sticks in you, right? Even if it was the best product or, or maybe not the best, uh, that brand now ha is like cemented in my brain for that. And now I question, you know, why other brands aren't doing this or that, even if they say they're sustainably focused, like if you're sending me something wrapped in plastic, uh, I'm not buying it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I, uh, I echo your, your other buddies and in, in that Viore is awesome. So <laughs> I just, I guess I got, I don't know what I got chairs. that I didn't like. I don't know. It was, it was some sort of shirt or something. I got it. I heard the pants are what I got to try. Gotta yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I got a closet full, so big fan <laughs> as well. Um, but I, I liked what you said about the user-generated content. I actually just saw, and, and Brian, I know that you always like to ask about resources, so I'll plug one right now. Uh, Whiplash's blog just featured a joint client of ours, Addicted, who uh, has seen a ton of growth through, and you guys highlighted in the blog, I noticed, um, TikTok and other social media platforms. So uh, fascinating to me that, you know, a, a logistics platform is highlighting what a brand is doing on, in social channels but to your point what you just laid out marco you know that's the sort of stuff that i'm still getting educated on and i think this podcast will be uh, a great resource for anybody who's uh looking to learn more about how how integral 3prs are, are not just to shipping right but like to the to the end-to-end -end customer experience so really totally. appreciate that example and yeah. again would would recommend that whiplash blog for anybody who is looking to, to learn more yeah, no, that's a great point. It, it is a good blog, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I those dots are connected uh, at some point, right? And the thing is not every 3PL can do that. You can't do that in your garage for every order, right? Like you reach breaking points. And so I think, um, you know, you have to find the right partner who is experienced enough with that, who has, you know, the right operations and capabilities and uh, and yeah, and again, it just goes down to brand maturity, but so valuable in so many ways and absolutely comes back full circle in terms of retention and growth and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That, that might even be the title of the episode if the dots are connected, we'll see. <laughs> but <laughs> Noah, you- I'm full of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that's what I love. Um, so yeah, so Noah, you gave the Whiplash um, blog which is great, you know, yeah, you know me with the resources. So Marco, I'm gonna toss the same question to you. What are some resources either specifically in the 3PL space or e-commerce um, or just like partnership side, really take it however, um, at whatever mm -hmm. level you want, but that what are some resources you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, um, so Whiplash blog, and we also have a, a podcast that's uh, Sipping and Shipping. That's a good one where we, we bring on pros and different, you know, verticals of, of fulfillment um, and partners as well. Uh, I'll be sending you guys an email on that shortly. <laughs> um, I think e-commerce marketing, uh, the last, I've been fortunate that everywhere I work has really good marketing. Privy is really awesome on the e-commerce marketing front. So I recommend checking out their stuff. They do master classes. They have great content, great, great email. Um, for par partnership stuff, Crossbeam. Cross me, that's the best content for that. Mm -hmm. Yep, Noah. Noah's a cross team fanatic. Yep, he's just <laughs> that's right, hundred percent. 
Yeah, well, this has been so fun. Thank you both for spending the time. Um, I know I was so tempted to just like do a deep dive into 3PLs, but I really held myself off so that I could hopefully be in the perspective of, um, you know, understanding more about 3PLs and asking you all the all the questions um, under the sun for that, Marco. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to educate, share, and really leave us with so many great tidbits of information to move on with in the for in the future. Totally. Yeah, no, we can we can get real nerdy on 3PL. <laughs> you know, it's it gets deep very fast uh, and it's it's complicated, but there's a, there's a lot to get into. But no, this has been perfect. I think we kind of hit like the right amount of information without uh, hopefully losing too many folks. And yeah, hopefully it was valuable and surfaced some good you know insights and, and thoughts. Definitely was. No, we will we will have to have you back on to chat about all those nitty gritty details <laughs> for the people that are um, interested. I'm sure after they listen to this episode. So it's been it's been great. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much. It was great seeing you. Now, as always, Mariah, thank you for having me and setting everything up. Uh, you guys are excellent at this and. We'll recommend the podcast to many. Perfect. Music to my ears. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, guys. All right. So for our fact check today, the first fact that I wanted to check, which we definitely have done before, but Marco mentions during the episode that order confirmation emails have a very high open rate. And he says, I believe something towards 90, 90 plus percent. And so we have seen brands with that high, um, high percent, 90%. We have case studies on some of those brands. If you'd like to go check them out at our website, gomaloma.com. But I also wanted to fact check other spots. There's of course many different numbers around order confirmation emails and it kind of differs between a lot of different factors, but I found other, other averages around 65%. So it's safe to say, you know, these transactional emails so what a customer gets after they buy something are very highly trafficked and it is unanimous that transactional emails are higher, are much more trafficked than marketing emails, than your traditional marketing emails. But I also wanted to share that this doesn't just pertain to emails too. Transactional SMS is also very highly wanted. Our friend Blake Imperil at Attentive, he shares constantly he always shared, he shared this fact with us and I love it. So I was going to plop it in right here too. But from a study from Attentive, they found that transactional SMS is the highly, is the most highly requested com communications that customers want. So it really is, um, that spot to take advantage of if your brand, um, that it really is those so definitely take advantage of that knowledge and apply that to your brand if you have one. I also wanted to go over the two uh, resources, two of the resources that Marco recommends. So he mentions Privy, he also works there, but Privy is an email marketing platform for e-commerce brands. And then he also mentions Crossbeam and Crossbeam is a partner ecosystem platform. So definitely check out both of those technologies as well as their resources. Thanks for listening.